What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Brothers Fantasy Football Podcast. That podcast, per usual, with that boy Derek and Daryl here to give you their fantasy takes, hits, analysis, and everything in between. We are here to week 16, a.k.a. week two of your playoff matchups, if you're doing your leagues right. How you feeling, Daryl? How's it going? Uh, man, things are good. You know, week 16 is about to start here and what, it's about an hour, hour and a half from now. So yeah, um, the nerves are, the nerves are nerving. The, um, the, just the excitement is, is, is here, man. I'm looking forward to getting into this weekend from the pod perspective and from watching this football. Oh yeah. And Christmas is here. And Christmas is here indeed, and the Thursday game, we're at least getting some of our interesting pieces of fantasy teams that are still going, so there's at least that, but the overall game, uh, I don't know. I mean, you got two teams fighting for a playoff spot, but, you know, it's not two just overall exciting teams, but hey, it's the usual Thursday game. Let's be thankful for it, because we only got like two or three more weeks of, of these Thursday games, or maybe one more week, rather. Yeah, yeah, fantasy-wise, anyway. Well, DFS will still be here, but yeah, I know what you mean. Right, right. Usual episode that we do here where we'll look at matchup previews, look at three matchups we are interested in, real-life fantasy perspective, whatever it may be. Got a little extra, I can do that this weekend. Got that back, or... Not this weekend, but for the pod. And then we'll do DBB, look at our Thursday pick for the game that's been mentioned. But let's go ahead and get into it. We got Detroit at 10 and 4, visiting those Minnesota Vikings, sitting at 7 and 7, a division matchup here where Detroit is a three point favorite and the over under is 46 and a half per our betting sheet. I'm going to turn it over to you, Daryl. Talk to me about the visiting Lions. Word. All right. So I'm going to start start with the Lions by talking a little bit about the Vikings defense, just like from an overall you know, efficiency, looking at the EPA per play type thing. The Minnesota D is is elite, you know, and especially versus the pass. So like that's something I, I had to keep in mind as I'm like looking through what I'm expecting out of this Detroit offense. Um, they're, they're not as good versus um versus the run like you know so like overall minnesota's a good d when you start breaking it down into pass and run d pass d, the pass d is you know pretty much it, it's it's not a stretch to call them elite the run defense though not as good they're like the third worst in run epa per play in the league so you know maybe there's some uh, when i'm looking at this stuff i'm thinking maybe there's some goodness to be mined from there um so anyway like from there i go in and start looking at, um, you know, I start looking at golf. So, like, what's gonna, what's his deal gonna be? And like, lately, the Minnesota pass defense has been a bad matchup for quarterbacks. Like this, this is not, this is the opposite of a smash spot. Like, just from an on paper uh, kind of thing. And, you know, this kind of goes hand in hand with their efficiency numbers. Um, and then, like, you want to throw in the fact that Detroit is bottom six in pass rate over expected. So golf, it looks like, you know, my reading of these tea leaves is telling me that golf is going to have to, you know, thread a needle 
to have a ceiling type of day. Um, and, and that's normally the case with him anyway, though. Um, he's, he's not a rushing quarterback. You know, we saw this last game. Well, how does golf have a ceiling? Um, how does he have a ceiling outcome? He's got to throw like five touchdowns or for a whole hell of a lot of yards. He's got the offensive weapons to do it. So, you know, you could check that box off, but then you look on at, at the other side of the field and what the Minnesota pass defense is, has been doing. And he's not my favorite play this week. Um, you know, will, would I be surprised if he went off the same way he did last game? Mildly, but it's not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in love with, with, with his spot this week. Um, so, yeah, in a DFS perspective, I'm not really checking for him uh, th- this week. Um, in redraft, I don't think I'd go away from him. But, um, you know, maybe if Baker Mayfield was out there, I'd give some thought to something. But, you know, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't go out of my way. Um, moving on to the Detroit pass catchers. You know, Minnesota has been about an average matchup for wide receivers. So I don't think there's I don't think there's a whole hell of a lot to fear for Amon Ra. You know, he's going to he's going to be out there. He's going to be getting his targets. He's going to do his thing. Like there's no way, there's no way you're sitting him um in, you know, in your in your playoff matchup. I don't think um, you know. If I'm doing like a a single entry DFS type of thing, and I gotta, you know, I gotta put my best of the best lineup out there, I don't think I'm breaking the bank to pay up for Alan Ra this week, though, just because Minnesota has been pretty decent versus slot receivers um, th- this year, and you know, as we know, that's where Alan Ra tends to line up, and so you know, you're gonna have to pay a hell of a lot to get something that, you know, to, to get Amara in your lineup to go up against kind of a zone heavy defense. And he's not all, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just don't really like him for DFS, but he's an auto start as always in season long. Um, I think where you could find some sneaky value is in the man, Jamison Williams. Um, you know, there's over like their last four games, Minnesota's given up the ninth most points to outside wide receivers. And we've seen Jamison Williams usage go up over, over these last three games. And like his, his last game that he played, he got up to a 72% route participation and 27% targets per route run. So, you know, that could be a way to save yourself a little bit of money and in, in DFS, or if you're hurting for a flex in a deeper league, uh, I, I think that, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jamison Williams like gave you something, um, you know, just re- return some value on what it is that you would have to pay for him. I, I don't think he's going to smash or anything, but, you know, if he can help you pay up, if you could pay down for him in order to pay up for other dudes. Um, I, I think that's not a terrible way to go. Um, those are really the only two receivers that I'm interested in um, th- this week for the uh, for the Lions. Moving on to the other pass catcher of note, Sam Laporta. You know, this isn't a smash spot for him either um, going up against the Vikings, but it's Laporta, man. It's, you don't, you you, you don't question what, what this man has been doing. Like he stays in your lineup. This isn't, you know, I w- I'm, I'm not, I'm not looking to play him in DFS either just because they're going to have to pay up 
a lot for him. But, um, you know, if you're running a bunch of lineups, I wouldn't mind getting him in there. But, uh, yeah, I, I I don't love the spot for him versus versus his price either. Um, and last but not least, moving on to the running back side of things, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Um, over Minnesota's last four games, they're giving up the second most targets to running backs per game. So this is right up Jameer Gibbs' alley. He's, um, he's seen 59% of the routes since week 11 as compared to Montgomery's 30%. Um, so, yeah, he's – he, he's the guy who's going to be out there when it when it's time for um when it when it's passing situations, and then you just add on to the fact that this man is running so hot right now. You know you you're not going away from him, and he's somebody I, I definitely would look at um, in DFS as we talked about last time. Man, this man has cobbled his way to being um, running back nine on the year so far. Um, all that said, I don't hate David Montgomery. Here, I, I just don't I just don't love him. You know, there's there's not a there's not a I can't see a clear cut case for him to just smash and make his day unless, you know, basically unless it's like a goal line situation. And even the thing with that is um, you know, going back to week eleven, um, he and Jameer are basically splitting the work inside inside the five yard line. So, you know, it's there's no, there's nothing screaming say, to me to say sit him, but there's nothing screaming at me to say play him. So like, if you can afford to get him in as a flex or something, like I don't hate it. Well said, well said. Um, the main thing I'm looking at in this matchup is number one, Jared Goff. Like, he's gonna be seeing a lot of blitzes this game, as you kind of alluded to and mentioned like Minnesota being the top blitzing defense here. So I'm interested to see how he handles that. He typically, with blitzing and whatnot, hasn't been the best quarterback. And well said on the note on Laporta, um, it is a tough matchup for him, but he's Sam Laporta. He's in the circle of trust, like Kelsey and Andrews and Kittle, like you start him. Uh, he's been tight in one the past five weeks and has had five touchdowns during that time frame. But again, the main thing is Jared Goff, how will he fare with these blitzing Vikings? Yeah, yeah, that's I'm, – I'm right there with you on that. Um, it's going to be a real good game to watch. I, I, I can't wait to see it. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. So moving on to the Minnesota side of things, um, Detroit – you know, you know, starting off with um, just looking at it from an efficiency point of view, the Detroit defense is not very good versus the pass. Um, it's it, it's not it's not anything to fear, basically, um, as, as far as efficiency numbers go. But they do excel versus the run, um, so that's something to keep in mind. And they are man heavy in coverage. So with that, just go ahead and dive in, Nick Mullins. This man could be in for a sneaky good day. Um, you know, Detroit has given up the seventh most points to quarterbacks over their last five games. And Minnesota has been in the top 10 in pass rate over expected, like over the course of the season and over their last four over their last four games. 
Um, you know, we talked about on our last pod that um, Mullins had 33 passing attempts just last game. So um, they are they're not afraid to, to to throw the ball. So you know, there there is a decent chance of some good volume um, for him. And you add on the fact that he has some 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 good weapons um, at at his disposal. You know, there's there's a lot of upside to to him you know if you're struggling at quarterback in um in a playoff matchup i know it'd be tough to push the button on nick mullins but like if you're in that position it's not the worst position to be in and then dfs you know paying down for him can help you pay up at other positions and so um you know that's that that it that could be a potential avenue to consider when building your lineups um the biggest caveat though, is that Detroit has pressured quarterbacks at a top five rate this year. And that's just something that he's going to have to deal with. I'm not exactly sure how good or how bad Nick Mullins is against, um, against pressure. You know, he could, he, he could very well be good at it. I couldn't really um, track down any numbers on that. Um, my fault, but I figured that information would be something good to, to, to get out there. So yeah, the, Detroit does get after you um, with, with their pass rush. So um, that's going to be something that he has to deal with. As far as the pass catcher situation, um, Detroit's been around a league average matchup for wide receivers um, over, over the last five games. As I mentioned earlier, they're man heavy um, in, in their coverage. That spells Justin Jefferson. Just that's that's just that, that's a Justin you pull the Justin Jefferson lever in in that um in that instance um for him I looked at you know his stats over the course of the year since he was um you know since he was out for those five or six games that he missed during the middle of the season so just his season so far 30 percent targets per route run versus man three yards per route run um versus man like this that's that's top of the pops that, that that's elite. That's um, you know, I, probably I imagine maybe only Tyreek or, or a couple other people, maybe Rasheed Rice, um, sneakily is up there. But nevertheless, that's that that's super super good. So he could he could be in for a day. And if we remember back, he had ten targets last week. So you know he's not having to establish rapport with Nick Mullins. Like Mullins knows where to go with the ball. So. Um, I, I really, I really like him um, th- this week in this matchup. Um, T.J. Hawkinson, it's it's not necessarily. Um, you know, well, I'll say this: he's he's saw, he's been solid versus man as well. So you know, you you have that working for him, and then he's in the tight end circle of trust. Um, it's not it's not a smash matchup, but you don't hate it um, for as far as um, the Lions versus tight ends. So. Yeah, um, I'm rolling with him as well. And Jordan Addison is is kind of interesting to me because he's getting the routes, he's getting the targets, even with Jefferson back. Um, he doesn't have eye popping numbers versus man, so I think his I think his floor is low. But you know, he's out there. He gets looks. It's, I, I, I think, you know, there's every reason in the world to at least get him into your lineup as a flex, but just know that it could, 
it could kind of blow up in 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 your face. So just yeah, um, don't love him, don't hate him, but I I would play him. Uh, and lastly, onto the running backs, um, Alexander Madison. He mispracticed on Wednesday and Thursday. We're recording this on Thursday. So he mispracticed yesterday and today so far. So things aren't trending up for him. So if he's out, again, you know, it's to me, it's a no-brainer to get Ty Chandler into your lineup. And that, you know, you could justify that just strictly off of opportunities. You know, this, this man saw north of 20 opportunities. Last game was Madison out. So, you know, if you you get that in your lineup, the only, you know, the, the big thing to note, though, is that Detroit has been tough versus running backs this season, um, like bottom three matchups for 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 running backs like season long and and over, you know, the, the last stretch of games. So. If it's just Chandler, I do play him just knowing it's going to be tough sledding. And hopefully his volume will carry the day and, you know, he'll, he'll get over on volume. If Madison does play though, I've, Ooh, that would be tough to, um, to, I certainly wouldn't play Madison. If Madison plays, it would be, it would be really tough for me to push the start button on Chandler though, you know, just based off of, just based off that one game and that little bit of coach speak that we got from, um, I forget their coach's name, but um, didn't necessarily say he'd be the starter and blah, blah, blah. Like that'd be, that'd be tough for me to put that faith that he's going to get the lion's share of work and have to go up against the lions um, who, who have been tough against running backs. So yeah, I, that's, that, that's kind of where I stand on that situation. Lion's share of work against the lions. Did you plan that? I did not. I did not. It was, it was, a fortuitous turn of phrase. I, I I did not mean it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that's the main analysis there. It's with the Todd Chandler situation. Yeah, if Madison's out, you play him as a volume play. He's an RB2. If Madison is in, he becomes probably a running back, kind of three, running back four. And that's just kind of a you playing it depending upon what you got on your bench kind of thing, which – you probably aren't <laughs> considering right, the matchup. Right. Um, also, Justin Jefferson had 223 receiving yards the last time he played this team. Obviously, it is a different year, but that pass defense is still trash. And TJ Hawkinson revenge spot here. Um, last game he last time they played last year, six for 77. He's in a circle of trust, as you mentioned. You're playing him regardless. I'm just making the note. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You you got anything else on this matchup? Nah, man. We move. All right. So up next, we're going to take a look at the Dallas Cowboys traveling to South Florida to face the Miami Dolphins. Both of these teams are sitting at 10 and 4. Miami is favored by one and a half. This game has a, am I reading this correctly, an over-under of 51 and a half. Wow. Water in the desert for us poor starved for points um, NFL fans. But, yeah, um, what what you got for us on on the Dallas side of things here? Yeah, man, we got a game with team totals for each team over 24 points. It can happen in the league. It's possible. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, the Dallas side, we start with Rain Dakota Prescott's. He has been the QB1 since week 10. Based on that performance last week, you would think how, but, you know, that's one-off game. I think you kind of just throw that one away to the side. I don't think there was any trends that you pick up in that game. Um, but like I said, since week 10 to now, 15 touchdowns, two interceptions, second-best EPA under pressure. Last episode, Daryl, you had mentioned about Miami's defense, and we talked about that um, since week 10. You know, they've been just <laughs> lights out. Uh, we did also yeah. mention their opponents, uh, but just a couple other things. They've held quarterbacks to the lowest quarterback passer rating, and they also have the second most interceptions. I think in this matchup, that, that doesn't necessarily matter. I think you're, you're putting Dak in here as a QB1 play. Um, I'm not necessarily scared of this Miami defense in that aspect. Um, I think you, I think he's solidly in there as a QB one. Um, I would not be surprised if he's a top five quarterback this week. My opinion, that's how I feel about it. To the running back side, Tony Pollard, um, 19 and a half touches since week 12 on average. But the thing is, and this carries over, is that Miami has been stingy to running backs from a fantasy standpoint. They've given up the e the eighth um, least amount of points, and running backs are getting at about three point nine yards per carry against them. I think Tony Pollard in this matchup. I mean, he's an RB two, and I hate to say that <laughs> because a lot of you guys drafted him as RB one, but He's RB2 here. He's getting plenty of touches. Um, he's in your lineup. To the wide receiver side, we got CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, uh, Michael Gallup. I'm not interested in touching in this matchup. Brandon Cooks has been interesting. Um, he's had four top 30 finishes in the eight games since Dallas has had their bye. He's done this on a 13% target share, 15% target per route run, and 1.7 um, yards per route run. Not just glaring our awesome stats there, but I think if you're in one of these leagues with like three flex plays, um, where you have to start three flexes or you start three wide receivers and multiple flexes, I think he's safely there as a flex play. And the reason why I'm talking about Brandon Cooks first is because I'm going to wax poetic on, on continually dominating Lamb, a.k.a. C.D. Lamb. Wax on. Wide receiver one from week eight until now. Seen 99 targets during that time. 32.5 target share. 33% target per route run. 2.7 yards per route run and seeing 40% of the team air yard share. Eighth in yards after the catch at 452. That's on the season. 21 catches for first down. 21 catches for a first down on third down. That's tied for second. He's second in first down catches on third down and less than three. He's tied for fourth in first down catches from third and greater than seven. And he's tied for fourth in catches in the opponent's 20-yard line, a.k.a. the red zone. C.D. Lamb, I'm better than you. My shape up better. My car fast. My drips better. My clothes better. 
my hull's better, my tattoo's better, I'm stronger than you. This man is having himself a great second half. And not to say he didn't have a good first half, but the second half he has been elite. Stardom, wide receiver one play here. Finally, with Jake Ferguson. Um, I look at him pretty much. He's been fairly solid, um, especially lately. He's been tight end. He's been a tight end one, so a top 12 tight end six of the last eight games. Now, Miami, as it comes to tight ends, fantasy-wise, they've given up the 19th most points, so they're essentially better than average here, but they've seen the 12th most targets. So I think Ferguson is a safe play here. He's probably a lower-tier tight end one um, in this matchup, and hopefully you know, he gets you a touchdown if you're playing him, and he follows up with another top-one performance. You got anything on these Cowboys? Yeah. So um, I read something today and I was trying to look at the injury reports, but I believe Dallas has, um, they have three of their offensive linemen on the injury report right now. Um, So they're a little banged up there. And I bring that up. Well, one, that is kind of important for fantasy, but, but two. Sure. Over the last four weeks, the Miami Dolphins have blitzed at the 30th highest rate. That means there are two teams that blitz less than they do. All right? They get pressure at the highest rate in the league. So they're only sending four, and they're getting pressure, and they got seven seven men back in coverage. That's going to be a problem if those if those linemen aren't um, aren't if those Dallas linemen aren't able to go or if they're you know some kind of hobbled. So, um, I may I'm, I may live to regret saying this, but you know we we got this pod so we can give off takes. I'm scared of the Dallas offense this week. I'm going to play my dudes. You know it's they they, they got me this far. Um, so you know you can't go you can't run away now. But you know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play him and I'm going to do that thing where you just kind of, where you look at the scary movie out the side of your eye, thinking that like, you're not going to be as scared uh, looking at it that way. So yeah, that's just my overall thought on on, on the Dallas situation uh, for for this week. That's fair. Uh, I mean, I get that. I wasn't aware of the O-line issues like that, but you know, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the Miami side, we got Tua. And uh yeah, lately with Tua, he's been he hasn't been great. He's been um in the QB2 range, so basically QB 13 to 24 um three of the past four weeks. Um 19th most points given up by the Cowboys defense as it pertains to the quarterback position. Uh, yeah, I'm not excited to play Tua here. Um, particularly, I know the last matchup, um, with the Cowboys against, <clears throat> excuse me, man, excuse me, sorry. Uh, the last matchup here with the Cowboys against the Bills, um, obviously them losing the game, you know, it wasn't great there, but it had nothing to do with the passing, they just got ran over. So, I'm not really excited to start Tua here in this matchup. 
Um, if you happen to have, oof, man, where do I want to get in here? I don't, I was going to say CJ Stroud, but he's going to be out. But like, yeah, obviously if you had CJ, you would be starting him. Um, honestly, like if you have maybe Gardner Minshew, like I would consider it, man. I, I know that's disgusting to say, and they have Atlanta this week, um, Indianapolis, but I'm considering it, man, because the way Tua has been fantasy-wise the past four weeks, it has not been great. But to the running backs, though, I am excited about their prospects in Raheem Mostert and Devon Achan. Um, interesting notes with them, 54% of the rushing attempts, 42% of the routes, and a 5% target share for Raheem Mostert since Devon Achan has come back in the past three games, and he's been the RB7 during that time frame, seeing 17 touches. Achan has seen 14.6 touches per game, 36% of the rushing attempts, 54% of the routes, 18% target share, and 31% targets per route one good for running back 11. So they've both been able to have some success here. And given what we saw last week with, excuse me, with James Cook, and then overall just looking at Dallas stats as far as the rush success rate and the explosive rush rate the past four weeks, um, they're kind of in the bottom, what, four teams in, in both of those stats. I'm very interested in starting both of these guys in this matchup here. And I think they progress towards Moster being RB1 play and HN an RB2, three-ish type of play with upside, as we know, with HN up to an RB1. Uh, to the wide receivers, I saw a note that Tyreek Hill was at practice today. My best ball team that played you last week weeps. <laughs> um, <laughs> So Tyreek should be in for this matchup. You're always playing Tyreek. And as far as far as Jalen Waddle, um, had the explosive week last week, but from weeks nine to 14, i.e. the five games before that, he was the wide receiver 40 during that time. But I think you're still going to start him because during that time he saw a 24.5% target share and a 30% target per route run. So you're still starting him um, in this matchup against that Dallas defense, probably as like a wide receiver two, maybe an upper three, if you will. No Durham Smythe? Nah, no tight end talk on Durham Smythe, man. Nah, not even okay. doing it. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, this is – this a, a lot of interesting stuff going on, just like from a macro level, and in this game, um, the Miami offense has, like you know, they've they've been carrying this reputation that was largely built on the beginning of the year when they just came out gangbusters and just putting up numbers on everybody. But it's been a slow, steady decline back to average um, over you know, over this second half of the season where, you know, they're at least by, by EPA, they're just kind of, they're just kind of average ish at this point, maybe, you know, slightly above average ish at this point. So like they reputationally, I think they're, 
a little more esteemed than what they've actually been doing um, on the field. But, you know, you flip over to the other side, you know, you look at the most recent numbers for the Cowboys and they've been pretty bad. Um, And, you know, I'm sure like a lot of that is built upon. um, They gave up a gang of points to to Gino and them. uh, And then they gave they gave up a gang of points to um, to Buffalo just this past week. So, you know. And over the last four, they've had two games where the defense showed out. They've had two games where they just got ripped apart. This feels like the kind of, you know, Miami's offense feels like they should be more on the side of the able to rip them apart um, type type of thing. So um, I'm I'm looking for for an explosion from this Miami offense, you know, playing at home and – this could this game could end up being a blowout um, in either direction, but I think um, if it was going to be a blowout, I you told me it's going to be a blowout. I think I'd go seventy percent is likely Dallas is going to be the one blown out. Thirty percent is going to be likely that Miami's going to be the one blown out. All that said, though, I like all of the Miami um, all, all of the Miami you know fantasy assets um, th- this week. I, I feel you on the whole Tua thing, though. Um, his his fantasy numbers haven't been that great. I, I I know there are numbers that are kept out here on this, and it just now dawned on me to think to go try to find them. It feels like they've had, you know, you know, like in a given year, most teams at the average, you know, they have a certain ratio of rushing touchdowns to passing touchdowns, and it feels like. Miami's just had a way they're way imbalanced towards their <laughs> touchdowns coming coming via the rush as opposed to the pass but um I can't I can't really back that up that's just kind of vibes based analysis um and I don't even even if I am right about wow. that I don't even know that that's something that would regress because their running game is just so damn efficient in the in the red zone why would they even go away from it at, at, at this point so yeah, your your right. point is well taken about being a little shy towards uh towards putting two in the lineup. Right on, right on, man. Um let's get into this Monday night slobber knocker to end the week. We got the Baltimore Ravens at 11 and 3 traveling to the San Francisco 49ers, also at 11 and 3. Possible Super Bowl a preview here we shall see san fran a five and a half point favorite over under is 46 talk to me about them ravens you know it seems like a fair number of times when we look forward to like a standalone primetime game something happens and the game gets kneecapped and it's not you know it's not the game we look for but you know what I'm going I'm to I'm have my hopes up. I'm going to be all on my da, 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 when this game comes. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm excited about this one, bro. I'm super excited. Um, but, okay, to look at the Baltimore side of things, again, I'll start from the macro. Like, San Francisco, they have an interesting pass defense profile. They're, 
They're mid-pack in pass EPA per play. They're elite in pass success rate. And they're bottom tier in explosive pass percentage. It's it's like, what's what's really good here? And I I think that just means kind of like they keep teams behind schedule with their pass D, but they can be hit for explosives. So I'm... I think that's what that means. Um, so hopefully I, I read that correctly. And I think even even more interesting, like on top of that, is like the Baltimore passing offense, it kind of mirrors that same thing. They're mid at um, EPA per play. They have an elite success rate, and they're not great at creating explosives. So it's 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 kind of like they're, they're the same thing um, past pa- – Baltimore pass offense, um, San Francisco pass defense kind of thing going on there. So I, it seems like that's going to be a bit of a wrestling match. Um, as far as the run game, though, Baltimore has the clear advantage. They're they're like elite across the board in their efficiency metrics. While um, while the 49ers have been you know kind of kind of mid um, in in that regard, I think the question for Baltimore in general like comes down to whether they can keep that running production up since now that Keaton Mitchell um, is, is is out of there because that 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 kid was like really doing some some special things in in their run game on not a whole lot of touches as, as well. So that that'll be something to pay attention to. But to to dig into the actual players uh, for Lamar Jackson, you know it's Lamar. You're playing him, but th- this isn't like an on paper smash spot, you know. Over over their last five, San Francisco is the twenty first best matchup for 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 quarterbacks. So it's not it's 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 not good. It's not great. It's kind of you know it's 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 pretty close to mid. Um, but it's just from watching that team though. You know, just leaving the numbers out of it. Just from watching the San Francisco defense, you know, it's going to be one of those things where Lamar is going to need to you know pull all the rabbits out of his hat. You know, he, he's going to have to play his A game in order to hit a ceiling outcome, right? You know, they, they, they can still win the game and he's not, you know, the fantasy QB one on the week. But like, in order for him to, you know, hit that ceiling outcome, he's going to have to, you know, he, he's going to have to bring it because this this defense is is, is pretty legit. Um, as far as looking at the pass catchers, um, overall, you know, San Francisco isn't easy on receivers. Um, at all like they're they're not a light touch but over their last five games they're giving up the fourth most points per game to outside receivers and so you know of the receivers that you would likely play which is basically zay Zay jones um (laughs) zay flowers rashad bateman and odell beckham odell is spending the most time out wide and would throw in there i should have mentioned it earlier uh, the 49ers are a zone-heavy defense, and Odell dominates versus zone. He's at 33% targets per route run and 3.1 yards per route run. So Odell has been elite for the Ravens versus zone. The only problem is over, you know, like his last four or five games, his highest route participation has been 59%. So, you know, he's been he's been efficient and kind of limited snaps don't really know what the what Baltimore's motivation is for limiting his snaps the way they have it's probably just a preservation thing um 
I wonder if they break the glass here and really pull him out and ramp him up in this game. Um, because one, you know, it's a it, it's a big game up against um, up against you know a team that they could potentially see in the Super Bowl, and you know you want to win for that pride for that pride consideration. But number two, you know they are they're competing for the number one seed, and it could be the kind of thing where you know it could set up to where they're meeting with Miami in week seventeen. I, I want to say could possibly be the deciding factor for who's the number one seed in the AFC. So like they really, really need this game. So I wonder if that'll spur them on to get Odell out there, you know, bump him up from 60% of the routes to 75, 80 type type of thing. So, you know, I, I wouldn't mind sneaking him into my lineup, like in, in, a, in DFS or, or, or something like that. Like um, I, I think he could end up being a very solid play. Um, Rashad Bateman, his, his playing time just yo-yos too much for, for, for my liking. I, I I would shy away from him personally. Um, and Zay Flowers, you know, his, his numbers versus, um, versus zone, I think aren't, aren't that great, but he's just out there so damn much. Like he's, he's basically, he's, he's right at about a hundred percent of the routes and this game could certainly get into a game script situation where Baltimore is forced to pass more than they normally do. So um, I'd be fine with rolling with Zay Flowers in a, a, as a flex consideration. Um, so yeah, those are the three receivers I want to talk about as far as tight end. I think Isaiah likely is a go like I'm, I'm getting him into my lineup and I feel, I feel pretty okay about it. Um, San Francisco, has been the fifth best matchup for tight ends over their last five games. Um, so you have that working for you and likely, likely has played well um, since he stepped in to fill in for, for Mark Andrews. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to smash the start button on him and look for, and look for some pretty good production out of him this week. Um, so yeah, that's it on the pass catchers. Move into the running backs, you know, it's the Ravens RB core. You know, there's always some tomfoolery that could happen in a given week as far as which guy gets the lion's share and which in which situations and whatnot. Um, so, you know, with Keaton Mitchell going down, in my estimation, is probably going to be Gus Edwards handling the bulk of the, you know, the the rushing work. Justice Hill will be the um, will be the passing down specialist. They did elevate Melvin Gordon from the um, from the practice squad. I don't I, I don't think they'll use him that much because both Justice Hill and Gus Edwards have looked pretty okay um, so so far this year. I don't see a reason why they would make a point of getting Melvin Gordon you know, some outsized work that's not just, you know, giving those guys a breather. But again, I will reiterate, it is the Ravens running back room. So, you know, everything is on the table. All that to say, though, um, I don't hate flexing either either Gus Edwards or Justice Hill this week. It's not my favorite, but, you know, you look at the efficiency of the Baltimore running game throughout the course of the year, um, 
you've you've seen production from Gus Edwards throughout the year. Justice Hill has looked pretty pretty good of late, and you know we just saw what the Cardinals running backs did to the San Francisco offense. I mean, to the San Francisco defense just this past week. So I think I, I think there is a case to be made that both of those guys are fine plays uh, th- this week. Yeah, that is the key, man. These running backs this week with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. Um, that's what we're looking at, what we're going to see as far as their usage. How is that going to play out with the injury to Keaton? Um, but yeah, I'm, I definitely have interest in Gus for sure. Um, considering the amount of touches he could have, but you also did mention like they do like to use these guys, uh, fairly interchangeable. Um, as far as everything else, I think you harped upon it really well. I do think this is an interesting spot for Odell, um, by the way, but we shall see. Yeah. 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 Okay, so moving on to the San Francisco side of things. Um, Man, look, like I said last time, this is the league's last best stand to see if anybody can, uh, if if anybody can land a punch against, I don't know, what is it, like 1985 Mike Tyson or whatever. Um, but, But, yeah, so, you know, we look at Brock Purdy. Baltimore is the worst matchup for quarterbacks over the last four weeks. They're thir- they're 30th on the season. Ooh. Not great on paper. You look at CMC, Baltimore is the worst matchup for running backs. Um you're not gonna get me on on tape telling you to sit down CMC. Um I I, I would I will never say that. I'm not even I'm not even suggesting it. I'm just saying that's just something to know, something you know to 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 keep in your head. Um, where like if if this man doesn't you know doesn't go out and just ball outrageous the way he's done the past few weeks, you'll know why. As far as Purdy goes, man, that's that's just that's just really tough. I I still I feel like I'd stay with him. I wouldn't play him in DFS. Like he's he's not going to be a DFS play for me. But in um, in, in in season long, in in redraft, you know, I think I just stick with my dude and you know just bank on the fact that he's been spearheading one of one of the best offenses in like the modern NFL. So, um, but yeah, you have to know the floor is also pretty low there. Um. As far as the pass catchers go, you know, Baltimore is, what are they? They are the third best matchup for outside wide receivers. And, you know, both both Debo and Ayuk, you know, spend the majority of their time outside. Ayuk is almost exclusively outside. So he's a, he's a guy that I, I'd, I'd certainly – be looking at, you know, it's you, you weren't going to bench him. And well, here's the thing. I probably should have prefaced it. The whole decision here is like, you're playing, you're playing CMC, you're playing Debo, you're playing Ayuk, you're playing Kittle, right? The really, the really the whole crux of this thing is what are you going to do about Purdy? Me, myself, personally, I would play him in season long. I'd 
go somewhere else um, in DFS. And well, this would be showdown, right? So uh, maybe you'd have to play him because I imagine Lamar is going to be outrageous. Everybody's going to be outrageous on this showdown. I need to go look at, at what that's priced at. I just thought about that. Um, but yeah, I, I I do like Ayuk in this matchup. Debo, you can't go away from him because he gets the ball in so many different ways. And he's just been on fire lately. There's not a chance you're going away from him. And this could be a Kittle week. Um, Baltimore's given up the ninth most points to the tight end position over the last four weeks. You were playing him anyway, but you know you could you could maybe have hope of good things this week when you put um, or, or great things this week when you put Kittle into your lineup. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a whole lot of diagnosing, at, at least from what I saw to go into the um, into the San Francisco side of things here, but. Maybe that's why I haven't taken down a DFS tournament yet, saying things like that. So, yeah, that's uh, that, that's my San Francisco spiel. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty much one of the easiest offenses to kind of analyze from a fantasy, like playing them standpoint. Because I mean, you're playing you're playing all the pieces of CMC, um, Debo, Kittle, and Ayuk. And Purdy has shown over this season, like he's pretty much a every week starter at this point. Um, I don't have any hesitation of starting him if I have him on my roster. Now, obviously, if you got the situation where you had you drafted him late, of course, and you got like Patty Mahomes, now you're getting into the territory where you got to mull over stuff. And uh, yeah. by and large, if you were picking Pur- Purdy, especially these past like five weeks, you probably were better off, which is. The craziest sentence to say, but considering the weapons, maybe not too crazy. Yeah, no, that's that, that that's absolutely wild. But yeah, you're 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 right. Like where we are, it's gonna be it's gonna be funny to see like where we are at the end of the year with like who finishes where at the quarterback position. Well, indeed, indeed. We gotta move though. Let's go ahead and dress it up and make it real for people. Oh man. Okay. I I this is a tough one this week. This is a tough one. You didn't even give me you didn't give me the whatever that means. That's cool though, man. I see. Oh, I'm sorry. Whatever that means. It's all good. Um this segment we take this a matchup. No, go ahead. No, I'll say this one just has me stressed. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> For good reason at that. Uh, this segment, we just put a minute on the clock. Um, I say a matchup that um, doesn't look too favorable, whether it's fantasy on paper or whatever it is. And I get Daryl to try to convince you to watch it. And he has a minute to do such. The matchup this week are those Washington Commanders at 4-10 and 10 going to the New York Jets at five and nine i know the jets are favored at some number and the over under is some number i don't have it in front of me but daryl a minute is on the clock convince us what we need to do to enjoy this experience or what should we look at and go all right the first thing that comes to mind is can curtis samuel keep getting away with it versus this jets Mm. defense like this this man's been on a tear recently. Um, I, I got to imagine over the last five to six weeks, he's something. He, if he's not in a wide receiver one, he's like a top tier wide receiver two. So I'm interested to see if he can do that. 
Um, I can't name who's going to start for the Jets this week, I think. Maybe it's Trevor Simeon. Um, but whoever it is, I'm going to be wondering, can you help me, myself, personally get Garrett Wilson over? Because I need this man this week, and this is a great matchup. But you need somebody who's professional enough to throw him a good ball that he could come down with. So, like, that's that, that's going to be on the plate for me. Can Brees get back going again? Because he absolutely dudded last week. If you still have him, and if you know if you made it through and he's still on your team, that's going to be something to watch. And, and just time. overall, okay, time. Um, a plus. Ooh, a let's plus. go. Here's why. Number one, you hit the Curtis Samuel point, and that he can't get away with it. I love it. I love that part of it. Number two, on the Washington side, you did not mention Jahan Dotson, and I'm so glad that you did not because if you had said that man's name, it would have been an F. I'm so disappointed. I don't know if it's him or the team. The fact that he is not garnering a target share or garnering, you know, enough touches here to be fantasy relevant, it kills my heart. If you go look at his tape, this man is really good. Anyways, and then on the New York side, you you talked about the two key points of Brees and Garrett Wilson. I have to give you an A here. A plus, that is. For sure. For sure. Yeah, that was that was tough, boy. I was out here tap dancing for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done. Let's get into a little bit of I can do that. This is basically a buy or sell segment that we do. The I Can Do That part comes from Little Flip, had a song, early 2000s. I can do that. And basically, we have three props here. We're looking at, guys, these yardage uh, metrics, our yardage amounts were um, pulled from prize picks. So let's get into it. The first one, Daryl Will T. Higgins have over 59 and a half receiving yards versus the Steelers. Yeah, he can do that. He could do that. The Steelers are not a daunting pass defense um, at this point. I believe that they are going to, like Minka is down this game. They um, So that's one safety. They had another safety who got suspended for the year for, um, for the hit that he put on Michael Pittman. So, yeah. you know, they're... Their, their defensive secondary is going to be severely hampered. He's going to be the number one with Jamar Chase. I, I believe Jamar Chase has already been ruled out for this week. So, yeah, it's going to be feed T time, um, I, I think. And I, I think he'll get that. Um, he'll get that 60-plus yards this week. So I'm going to say, yeah, he can do that. For sure, for sure. Um, is Joey Porter Jr. injured? You have any awareness of this? No, no, he's he he's good to go. Fair enough. Well, per fantasy pros, Joey Porter Jr. has shadowed Calvin Ridley, Jamar Chase, DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, and Marquise Brown anywhere from fifty percent to ninety percent of the routes they run or ran. Only Jamar Chase went over fifty yards. Now, Jamar Chase plays on the same team as T. Higgins. I would say Chase. But did he have the T. Higgins? Not did he have the same quarterback though? This is true. There is that element too. 
that I can't I can't even remember um who was in whenever they played. Um but yeah, I'm gonna go on the other side of this. I'm gonna say he can't do that. He'll probably have like 52 yards in the touchdown. Still fantasy relevant and good for you. And you know what? I will take that. <laughs> I will take that. I got T in a few <laughs> I got T in a few spots. So yeah, I will take that. Okay. So I say yes to T. You said no. We'll move on to the second one. Will Tuba Hubbard have over 72.5 rushing yards versus the Packers? What say you? Yeah, so since the firing of Frank Reich, like Chuba Hubbard has been the leading carrier in this backfield and getting all the touches essentially um, here. This Green Bay defense has been pretty bad when it comes to the rushing um, element on their defense. They've given up the fifth most rushing yards per game. And we just saw Rashad White had 80 plus yards against this team. So I'm going to say he can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you too. Like this man is, is getting like over 20 touches or, or 20 rushes, um, rushing attempts like per game since, uh, since Frank Reich got the boot. So yeah, I've, what he's just going to need like three yards, three, four yards of carry maybe to get, to get there. Um, man, it's tough, but, but damn, this offense is so bad. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to lean into the volume, man. I'm just going to lean into the volume and say, yeah, yeah. Chuba can do that. Lean into the volume, my brother. Lean into it. <laughs> All right. Last one we got through this one in here for fun. Will B. John Robinson have over 84 and a half rushing and receiving yards versus the Colts? And again, as a reminder, this number these numbers are pulled from prize picks. Right. So over 84 and a half rushing yards, rushing and receiving. Okay. So we're just we're looking yeah. at scrimmage yards here, huh? Um, well, look, here's the thing, right? The the Colts, the Colts run defense is like night and day difference when they have Grover Stewart in their lineup and Grover Stewart is back and it's been making a difference. So the rushing part of it, I don't think he's really going to get there. Uh, so he's going to have to carry that with the, with the receiving part. Like, no, 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 he can't do that. He, he can't do that. And yeah, then we factor in the Arthur Smith of it all. Just no. I'm going to I'm I'm gonna say no. I hate it. I hate it because I, I love me some Bijan, but no, he he, he can't do that. <laughs> um well on the season he's averaged about 15 and a half touches in 80 yards, uh total yards that is a game. So I mean looking at that the number, it is what just below that? Yeah, just below it. Um so it's already there on that, but I'm put this one on here because the Colts, just from a pure stat wise, give up about 150 yards um, rushing and receiving per game. And so you don't really have a lot of margin there when you have a guy 
uh, in Tyler Algier and, and even Cadero Patterson that are going to factor into this as well. And you include last week's nonsense, which I'm discussing yet again. I'm going to say he can't do that. He'll probably have like 65 total years. Yeah. Yeah. It's damn shame what they did to my dog. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, I, I, I just hate it. And, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised at all if um, somebody got into Arthur Smith's ear and it's just like, we drafted these boys. I already told you once, play them. Ain't going to be no two times. Like, so, uh, so yeah, that would be interesting. Just get that man out the paint, man. Just, just do it. (laughs) That would be the smart play. Um, we flip over to a little DBB, the brothers bet. We're here on this Thursday night and we got a game that's about to come on here shortly. We got the New Orleans Saints visiting the L.A. Rams. The Rams are a four-point favorite. The over-under is 45. And I will throw it to you, Daryl. What is your pick for this game? I'm going to take the over. Um, I'm going to take this game to go over 45 points. um, Because on one hand, the Rams offense, now that, you know, ever since they've gotten – everybody back and everybody's right they've they've looked good and you know they've gotten everybody right and with i i don't even know where demarcus robertson was before um before he just burst on the scene like uh two three weeks ago but like with the addition of him just as like a third or fourth um receiving threat i i trust i i trust that offense to pull to pull their weight and I don't have too much fear of the Rams defense. So, you know, I, th- I think the Saints should be able to to get some points up themselves. You know, it's just going to be a matter of can they finish off drives once they get into the red zone because, you know, if the red zone seems to be where Saints drives go to die. Um, but I think uh, <laughs> I, I, I think if they I think they could get a few through and get a few over, you know, get get Taysom back. In the, in the fold to take over the the red zone stuff. So, yeah, I I think this game is setting up for us to see some points tonight. So yeah, give give me that over forty five. I think that's a very solid pick, um, and that's probably where I should have gone. But I'm not going to change where I put in here. Um, I took the Rams covering the four points. Um, a lot of this just has to do with like, I don't trust New Orleans, man. Like, <laughs> they're just a very up and down team. And it's not necessarily like because of them being on the road, I don't trust them. It's just I don't trust them at all, like from what they've given us this season. Like, we should have known this in that week game, how funny it was that they barely got by Tennessee and how goofy that win was. Like, I just don't trust them. Um, The Rams are here. I mean, both of these teams are both fighting for playoff spots. Um, But to me, I just trust the Rams with McVay to take advantage of what they're good at right now with running the ball through Kyron against the Saints who have struggled against the run. And I feel like they come out here and they win by a touchdown. I got you. Yeah, that's not – 
that's not at all outside of the realm of possibility, man. Um, that's the thing about Saints games, man. Everything's in play. So, uh, so yeah. <laughs> you uh, basically say, yeah, you could just pick anything, and you could be close. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't fault that pick, and just yeah, I, I do think that the Rams. I think that the Rams are, you know, I think they're more. I, was, I want to say they're a better team. I, I think I feel like you can rely on their offense a whole lot yeah. more. Um, and so, yeah, I, I could definitely see laying that four, and you know, maybe you get a push um, or, or something. So, yeah, I'm with that for sure. For sure. Um... We didn't get a chance to get our DK thing on and do the research we wanted to do, but we're going to have those lineups. Like we're going to have a matchup between my brother and I, whether it's, well, for sure we'll have the Sunday slate, but we may do a Saturday slate matchup as well. Uh, But we'll go over that in the next pods episode, our next episode of the pod, if you will. Um, I guess before we get out of here, is there anything, I know we kind of talked about these games a little bit from the spread over under perspective last pod, but has there been anything in the couple days since that pod that has tickled your fancy or caught your eye? Um, Yeah. You know, so like I listened to a few gambling pods and I hear them hitting on, um, they think that green Bay lane five at Carolina is a little bit rich. And if you remember back, I, I was like, I think that seems reasonable. Um, so <laughs> that's a that's been that's been kind of pinging around in in my head since since I heard that. So like I'm I'm gonna I'm well, I'm gonna dig into all these games, but um, I'm gonna have particular interest when when I get around to to that one, just because my my first general impression was just like, oh yeah, this is easy money. So you know that's um. I feel like anytime I think that 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 probably should be a red flag anyway. So, um, yeah, that that that's one that I I return back to. Um, also, I know they're playing at home and whatnot, but Atlanta laying laying a point to the Colts like that seems a little egregious <laughs> as well. Um, and that's mostly just born of the fact that I feel like. I feel like the Colts, they've just been super solid. You know, like they're not they're not a high-flying act, but they also, you know, they don't seem to like, maybe I'm misremembering or not remember something, but they don't seem to like bottom out and just and, and, and just come out and just absolutely stink. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like maybe, I feel like maybe, Indy is the is the move there. Like that that one is just like that one seems like a no brainer as well. So probably another red flag is going up that I need to uh, that I need to further explore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good deal, good deal. Um, the one that jumped out to me that I didn't discuss. Could I interest you in Pittsburgh plus two a raw raw spot here, if you will, against Cincy? Um. You know, I could see it. I could see it. It's just, man, things are so like, things are just so. Uh, who, who am I borrowing this from? I think I heard Raybon talking about this, and like it made total sense. He's just like, no, 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 no. It was Deontay Lee 
on Mina Kimes' pod I heard today, he was just like, the vibes from Pittsburgh are just so off right now. Just just with like <laughs> everything that's going on with them, their their quarterback situation. Um, you know, Tomlin doesn't seem to, you know, have that firm iron grip on the team right now. Whatever the hell is going on with George Pickens, um, that's that that's a mess. I just I just don't like where they're at right now. And mm-hmm. um, you know, and you look at you you look at Cincinnati, you know. Maybe maybe the outlook is a little too rosy and like the um you know the, the storyline with what Jake Browning has continued to do you know he's he's having his own little Jeremy Lin moment and whatnot but that team is also you know they seem to be rallying around each other and stuff right now so like both of these teams they just seem to be going in opposite directions um right right now and you add on to the fact that I just have no faith in Pittsburgh's uh, quarterback and it's like you know. Yeah, I, I I could I would lean to lay the points um in, in this situation. Where where are you at on it? I haven't decided, but um I just thought about it when I was looking back through the sheet um earlier today or whatnot. I'm like, oh, this is kind of a rah-rah spot, but it was also like Mason Rudolph is starting. But then it was also like it's not really much difference between uh, him, Pickett, and uh, Trubisky. So it's just kind of all over the place. I need to actually see what Cincy looks like because, um, I mean, they won't have Jamar Chase. So I don't know. It's a whole lot of variables mm-hmm. there where it's like a whole lot of eh that I may just end up betting the under and getting out of there. <laughs> right. No, I feel that. I <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel that. Yeah. Good deal, man. Good deal. Another pod in the book. Guys, we are here. And girls, of course. We are here at week 16. Hopefully you are battling in your leagues. Uh, second week of the playoffs. We wish you good luck on that. Hopefully next week when we're talking to you, um, you're using our information to help you prepare for your championship title. We love to see it. What you got for the people, Daryl, before we get out of here? Let's go get these chips. (laughs) Yes, sir. Let's go get them. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you guys. We'll talk to you guys after the break. Merry Christmas. Peace. Peace.